Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. My name is Rhett. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here. Is anyone excited to be at church this morning? <laughs> well, I know I am. I cannot wait to jump into God's word. But before we do, can I just do this? It's something we do every Sunday, and that is I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, One Life. Put your hands together. Welcome those who are joining us online today. Yeah, if you're joining us online, I want you to know you are our family. We love you. We are sending you air high fives and fist bumps today. We cannot wait to see you soon. All right, you guys, just as Nick mentioned, we are in part two of a series we are calling Galatians. It's a verse-by-verse study, and I'm excited to jump into it. But I just simply want to remind everybody that we are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes, so I would like to encourage you to pull out your smartphone, whatever digital device you may have walked into the service with today, and go to olc.church, swipe down, you'll see a button that says message notes. I'd love for you to click that button. It's going to open up an opportunity for you to follow along and see the scriptures right there. You'll have obviously have the opportunity to kind of fill in the blank, but what's really cool about it is that it gives you the opportunity as well to save it as a PDF right there into your phone or maybe to email it to yourself because my desire was never to plan a church just to inspire you on Sunday to get you through the week to make it to the next inspiration next Sunday. My desire was to teach you, to inspire you because that's important, but number two is to teach you some things and to give you the tools that you need through Monday through Saturday to live life in freedom every day. Can I get a good Amen from the note takers out there. And so, and, and so the notes give me the opportunity to put that into your hand. And so that way, when you're going through some things, you can look at God's word right there in the comfort of your own home, not only with his word in the Bible, but kind of what God's walking us through together as a church. All right, you guys, really excited about this series. If you know anything about me, I love to have fun in church because I honestly believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Uh, But from time to time, I believe it's important for us to kind of go into some more in-depth teaching because my job is to teach you God's word. And I love the book of Galatians for several reasons. But one of the main reasons I love it so much is because it really helps us lay a biblical foundation or a, a sound teaching, if you will, to God, to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the main theme is how to live in freedom every day or how to live in a relationship with God every day, not religion. Very important to note. And so the book of Galatians, let me just give you a little recap. The book of Galatians was written by a man named Paul. Paul is referred to in Christian circles as an apostle. An apostle is just a religious word that simply means church planner. He loved to plant churches, much like One Life Church here in Nampa and Caldwell. And so what he did is he focused primarily on all the areas of the country that were non-Jewish. And so anybody that was a non-Jew at that time was labeled by the Jews as the word Gentile. So if you're ever reading the Bible and you see this word Gentile, what does that mean? It means it's just anybody who is a non-Jew. 
Jew. And so there were Gentiles who lived in Israel. But at the end of the day, Paul felt called by God to bring the message of Christ Jesus to the non-Jews. And he focused a lot of his attention on what is today called modern-day Turkey. There were a lot of cities there that he planted churches. And one of the churches that he planted was in the city called Galatia. And what he did in order in an effort to kind of lead well and to help the pastors and the leaders there that he would train up and raise up to take the churches over, Paul would write letters. He would receive letters from the pastors, and then he would write letters back in correspondence. And so what he did is he wrote letters. And so this is where we get the book of Galatians. In fact, a lot of the books in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, are letters written from Paul to the churches that he planted. And so that is what this letter is about. Now, I want to let you know that this letter specifically is being written to an issue that is risen up in one of the churches that he's planted in this city. He received word back from one of the pastors there and said, hey, there were some Jewish, there were some Christians, now they were Jews, they came along behind your teaching, Paul, and they've started to implement some teaching that would honestly shock a lot of us in this room. In fact, it may be a little bit embarrassing to even hear, but what happened was, uh, Paul went into the city and he preached Jesus Christ. And he preached, listen, you, you don't have to do anything to earn a right standing with God. You simply just need to receive the free gift of eternal life that comes from knowing and receiving by faith Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again to pay for your sins. That's it. And so people began to fall in love with God because you're like, man, I would love to serve a God who is that kind, gracious and compassionate, who would be willing to take on the burden of my sin so I could be in a relationship with the creators of the heaven and the earth. And so this is what's happening. But what, and so they had this freedom. It was all about relationship with God. But then what happened is after Paul left, some non-Jewish Christians showed up on the scene. Now they loved Jesus but they started doing what a lot of us tend to do is when we come to know Christ is that they started to implement some what we would call religion or legalism or trying to keep your righteousness by doing certain works or certain traditions. Now, there was a tradition in the Jewish culture of circumcision. That's the shock, right? Whoa, that's embarrassing, right, to talk about in church on Sunday. But what you need to understand is this. The non-Jewish Christians came in and told the Gentiles, hey, glad you love Jesus, but now you got to do some things to keep and to maintain your righteousness. You've got to do this religious duty of circumcision. And they said, in fact, to be in this Christian club, like to be a member, you're going to have to do some surgery. Now, here's the thing. Not a big deal to the Jews. Why? Because every male Jew was circumcised on the eighth day. So these brothers didn't remember a thing. You know what I'm saying? But for all the other Gentile brothers who didn't grow up with this covenant relationship with God and this circumcision or surgery that happens at eight days, now you got 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds going, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. You know, that is a female-only membership class in any church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so that's exactly what's happening in this moment. And Paul's going, no, 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 wait, guys. This is absurd. I cannot believe this is even happening. So he writes a letter 
to correct the issue. And the big idea of this entire book, and honestly, it's all about how to have the right, how to have the right perspective when it comes to your relationship with God. Or in other words, how to live in freedom every day. And so last week we started the series in chapter one and we talked about where Paul started the letter off and he said, man, I am astonished. Like I'm shocked. I'm perplexed. I'm blown away that you're quickly deserting the true gospel of Jesus Christ, which is this relationship with him. You can't earn it. You just simply receive it. And now you're turning to this completely different gospel, which is back to religion and legalism and trying to earn right standing with God by doing something in your flesh. And what we did is we went back and we even looked at the first decision that God gave mankind back in the book of Genesis. And what we found is that God gave us two choices. And when it comes to approaching him, we talked about the tree of life, right? And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how God always intended us for us to approach him through this tree of of life. And, and so never did he ever intend for us to try to approach him through knowledge base, understanding, world view. And so Paul's just trying to bring everybody back into alignment, say, no, 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 no. Let's have the right perspective here. Let's get back to what this is all about. It's all about the grace of Jesus Christ, of how you receive eternal life and fulfillment. And so if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast. You can access that at OLC. Dot church, or you can download the Apple iTunes app for podcasts and you can follow along there. But today we're going to pick up in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And again, big idea here is how do we have the right perspective with God? Or how do we have the right perspective when it comes to having a relationship with God? Or the way we're entitling it through this series is how do you live in freedom every day? So let's read this. It says, later... When Peter, who's Peter? This is the disciple Peter that hung out with Jesus for three years. When Peter came to Antioch, that's a city, it says that Paul had a face-to-face confrontation with him. Why? Because he was clearly out of line. In other words, Paul said, hey, Peter, the disciple, the one who walked on water, he's a part of the problem here. And he says, here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. In other words, what is this saying? It's saying Peter was doing life with all the Gentile Christians. He was doing life. He was enjoying life with the Galatian Christians. But watch what happens next. Look at this. But when the conservative group, when those Jewish Christians who came from Jerusalem showed up on the scene, it says that Peter cautiously pulled back. And Peter put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. Now, time out. What is happening here? Basically, what we're seeing is that Peter was full of life, loving God, doing life with those who weren't Jewish. He was doing life with these Gentile Christians. But then the Jewish Christians showed up on the scene, the ones who were turning to this old way of life. And what did Peter do? He fell into peer pressure. He said, oh, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm not really friends with these Gentiles. No, no, no. I'm friends with you. In other words, what happened? Peter went from life to religion in a matter of a moment. And this is what we're talking about today. Look at the rest of the verse. Paul says, that's how fearful Peter was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing this old system of circumcision, this legalism, this works-based dead religion. It goes on to say, unfortunately, 
the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church, they joined in, in that hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas, the man who is known as probably the most encouraging person in the Bible, that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade of hypocrisy. And so this is what I want you to see, everyone, is that in this moment, people were coming to know God. They were walking in a relationship with God through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. They were finding freedom from their hurt, their pain, and their past. They were beginning to see the significance of their future by discovering their purpose and how God designed them. They were beginning to make a difference with their life. Serving God was a joy. Serving God was a delight. It was actually fun. But then all of a sudden, they leave it. And they go all the way right back over to legalism. And so here's the question that is really the theme of today's message. And that is, guys, how do we keep from going back to our old way of living? In other words, another way to ask that is, how do we continue to live in freedom in this relationship with God that isn't works-based, but is simply by grace? How do we continue to live in freedom every day? Because let's be honest, it's really easy to switch between the two, isn't it, Christians? It's really easy to go between a relationship with God and a religious approach to God like that. In other words, it's kind of like I'm convinced like there's this vine, like you've seen the movie Tarzan, that hangs in between the two, right? You got the relationship with Jesus over here, grace. Thank God for grace. We don't have to do anything to earn it. It's already been given to us by God through Jesus Christ. And then you've got this whole legalism approach on this side. And it's like we all have days where we grab this and we're swinging like, oh man, I love God. Woo, I love people. This is so much fun to get to serve. But then all of a sudden we find ourselves swinging back over here. I am mad at the world. I can't believe they did that to me. I am so frustrated. And by the way, I don't even want to serve. I don't, this is a got to. Why am I even doing this? Am I the only one in this room that's ever experienced that? It's like we all have these days. In fact, <laughs> confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation. So in order to kind of give you an example, I have to kind of like, you know, be extremely vulnerable to you. So I'm going to give you an example of my life that I believe was probably one of the most humiliating, embarrassing, and humbling moments of my life. Now, I want you to understand this happened about 20 years ago, so don't judge me, okay? <laughs> I found some freedom since then. God has worked on me, okay? But I'll never forget about 20 years ago, uh, I was living in Dallas, Texas at the time, but I went back home to visit my family in Alabama. This is before I was married to Linda. And so I was back home. It was the summertime, man. Sun was shining. I had a rental car, had a sunroof, had my sunglasses on. I was kind of in vacation mode. It was good. It was a good day. And so anyway, I had the music up, and I think maybe in that time of day, I was listening to Shout to the Lord. You know, anybody in this church ever heard of that old song from Darling Check and Hillsong when it was Hillsong, you know? And I was singing, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. It was a beautiful day. Birds were singing, chirping. Great day, right? And so I'm driving, and I'm actually on the way to meet my granddad and my family for lunch at Chili's. Chili's baby back ribs. Come on, anybody like those? Remember those days? Anyway, I don't know. I think there's a Chili's here. I'm not for sure. Anyway, but we were headed to Chili's. And um, anyway, back to the story. So I'm riding, I'm driving, right? And I'm pulling into the shopping center where Chili's is. 
And I'll never forget, I'm again, shout to the Lord. And I look over and I've got the right of way because I'm pulling into this shopping center. The car over to my right has a stop sign because he's got to yield to the brother coming into the shopping center. I ain't got a stop sign. I don't have a yield sign. I'm free in Jesus' name to drive where I want when I want at the moment, right? It's my way. And so I'm singing shout to the Lord, and all of a sudden I see this car creeping, pulling through the stop sign, pulls right in front of me. I slam on the brakes. I go from shout to the Lord to shouting at an old man in a minute. And I got sunglasses wrapped around my head. I pull my sunglasses down. I'm like, who do you think? Come on, man. Are you serious? You got a stop sign. I'm going this way. Remember, shout to the Lord. Oh, right. In a matter of a moment. And then all of a sudden, I look. And I notice that the old man in the car, along with the old woman in the car, is my granddad. (laughs) And my grandma whom I'm about to eat for lunch, meat for lunch, and uh, not eat, that's bad. We're not cannibals. <laughs> and uh, it's funny, 20 years later, uh, but in that moment, I knew that granddad was also going to pay for lunch, you know, and, and I had like 30 seconds before we pulled in the parking lot, and I was going, oh God, please, I hope he didn't know that was me, I hope he didn't know that was me, I hope he didn't know that was me. <sighs> Get out of the car. And again, most embarrassing, humbling experience, right? Because I went from shout to the Lord, praising God, to flipping into the flesh or into my sinful nature, into the anger, into just road rage in a matter of a minute. And now here I find myself having to, you know, approach my granddad at lunch and go, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm an idiot, right? And I'm just feeling like this low. And my granddad was so gracious. He kind of laughed it off and said, no, I was your age one time too. I would have done the same thing, you know? So he kind of... Played it off. Thank God for that. But what happened, right? I went from this beautiful, like, loving God moment, having a beautiful experience with God over into the flesh in a matter of a second. So today's message is dedicated to anyone who's ever felt the tension between relationship and religion to, to religion and loving God one moment, but then, like, you know, going back in your old habits and your old lust and your old pride and arrogance and anger in a matter of a moment. So here's the question. What do we do? How do we keep from going back? How do we remain in freedom every day? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I believe it honestly begins with a true understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul even thought that was important. Look at this in Galatians 2.16. This is what he did, and this is what I'm going to do today, and that's simply re-explain the gospel. Paul said, guys, we know very well that we're not set right with God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Now, how do we know? Well, we know because, look at what Paul says, we've tried it. Like every single one of us in this room, if we're honest, we would say we've all tried to approach God through religion or through legalism or trying to just be kind enough today to earn some brownie points with God that maybe if we die today, we'll go to heaven. And he says, guys, we tried this. And in fact, look at what Paul says. We had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. And he's referring to the Ten Commandments here. And this is what he says. I am convinced that no human being on the planet can please God by self-improvement. He goes on to say, listen, we believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Why? So that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah. Not trying to be good, not trying to do things and to earn our way. No, 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 no. 
And then he goes into verse 19. Look at this. What actually took place is this. Guys, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God. And it didn't work. So what did Paul do? So I just quit trying to be this religious man, this law man. I quit trying to live in this religious approach to God. And I began to live in this grace, this beauty of not having to do anything to earn righteousness, but simply receive what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. It's free. And when you're living there, man, it is the joy and delight. Why is this important to go there so that, look at the rest, so that I could be God's man, or you could say it, so that I could be God's woman, that I can live in freedom every day of my life. And this is what we're talking to you today about. Because we all have those days, man, where we feel this tension between relationship and religion. So the question is, is there a secret Like, is there a secret sauce or a key ingredient that would help us stay in freedom or stay in this relationship, this life-giving mentality with Christ? And the answer is yes, absolutely. There is a secret, and that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, the secret is revealed in the final verse of Galatians 2. But I just want to go ahead and just preface this. It isn't popular. In fact, this is not a message that a pastor would try to preach to grow a church. But this is absolutely a message that a pastor would preach if he wants to grow the people in the church. And so that's my desire for you today. It's to grow you and for myself to grow as well. So what I want today is what, what I want to do today is I simply want to teach you something that may be a little bit challenging, but I believe that it's the single most important daily decision that you and I will ever make. And that is if we'll apply this principle, it will change. Your life forever. Let's look at Galatians 2.20. What is the secret? You ready for this? I have been crucified with Christ. Stop right there. What is Paul saying? He's saying, guys, not only do we just simply need to receive what Jesus has done. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the crucifixion. Thank God that my sins are paid for. Thank God that I'm going to experience eternal life. Thank God that I'm experiencing joy and freedom and love. This is amazing. But I also have to understand that if I want to live in this kind of freedom every day, I've simply got to make some choices. And one of those choices that I've got to make every day is that I have got to die. So I've been crucified with Christ. But here's the principle. Look at the rest of the verse. I no longer live. Time out. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, if you want to live in freedom, you have to learn the discipline of dying every day. Why? Because last time I checked, a dead man can't get angry at an old man who cuts him off in traffic. Why? Because he's dead. God wants us to learn the art of dying to some things every day. Every day. I love what Paul says, so I no longer live, but Christ, he lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith. I live by trust in who? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So today what I want to do is I want to give you the secret to living in freedom every day. And that is, it's the title of the message, to living the crucified life. Pastor Ed, are you seriously going to be talking about dying today in church? Yes, welcome. It's going to be a great day. Because here's the key. You will never experience freedom every day in your life. 
from the things that have been holding you back from the best version of yourself unless you begin to learn the art of dying to some things in your life. And so I love the fact that Jesus even backed this up and talked about this. Look at Matthew 16, verse 21 through 25. Jesus said, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He goes on to say, and that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Now, time out. Let me explain something in this moment. Up until this point, the disciples had no idea that Jesus was going to be a heavenly king. They only thought that he was going to be an earthly king. In fact, in their minds, they were thinking, man, this is the miracle man. This is the man who walks on water. This is the man who heals the sick. This is the man who raises the dead. This is the man who's going to free us from the Roman oppression. And we're going to rule the world with this man right here. He's the Messiah. He's going to be our earthly king forever. But you need to notice something. Jesus said, no, no, no. See, that's not my plan. That's not my agenda. No, Jesus said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And I just think this blows my mind. Because when you read this, you have to understand the context. Because what Peter does next makes absolutely no sense. Look at this. Peter took Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he began to rebuke him. Are you kidding me? Just think about that for a minute. Jesus, the man who walked on water. Peter, are you going to rebuke that man? Peter, you're actually going to rebuke the man who spoke to the wind and the waves and calmed the water. Like, Peter, you're going to actually rebuke the man who raised Lazarus from the dead. This is actually going on right now. Look at this. So what, here's the question. What in the world happened to Peter? Think about it. Peter grabbed the vine that hung between a relationship and religion, and he swung way over here. Now he's no longer just this loving Jesus disciple. No, now he's this in religion, got his own plan, got his own agenda, got his own mindset, got his own expectations of Jesus Christ. And now Peter is mad. Peter is upset. Peter is frustrated because things aren't going to go the way that he had planned it for Jesus. And so what does he say? Peter says, never, Lord. I don't think so. This shall never happen to you. And notice what Jesus says next. I love this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Can I just say that? It's not a good day if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is calling you Satan. What is Jesus doing? He's rebuking the spirit behind Peter and what's going on right now. And he says, you are a stumbling block to me. Why? Because, look at this. You don't have in mind the things of God. You simply have in mind the things of man. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, right now you got way too much of you going on right now in this situation. And then Jesus goes along and says something that absolutely would have blown the disciples' minds. Look at this. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, guys, by the way, since this situation is coming up, I just want to let every one of you know if anyone would come after me, like if you want to live in freedom, if you want to experience fulfillment, if you want joy in life, you must deny yourself and die. What? And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me 
will find it. What is Jesus saying? Guys, if you want to live in freedom, you've got to learn the art of dying to some things in your life. You've got to learn the art of living the crucified life. And guys, I'm just saying, if I would have started my day that day and I just turned on the radio and kind of getting in this little religious moment, ooh, shout to the Lord. Like if I would have said, God, today, before I even walk out of this house, I die to this road rage and this anger and this, this feeling of control in my life. God, I die to that and I lay it down before you because I know when I come out the house today, I'm going to have every opportunity to be offended by people who want to cut me off in traffic. And if I would have laid that down, if I would have died, chances are, more than likely, I would not have lost it that day when my granddad cut me off. Now, here's the truth. Most of us, we don't really want to hear a message about changing, do we? We want other people to change. In fact, the way I like to say it is this. Guys, we all want change situations. But the truth is, God wants to change us. Now, I need you to understand something. It's okay to pray for things to change. But this is what I've come to find out. Is that even if my situation changes, guess what? I'm still the same. It's like nothing changes in me. Now, the situation may change, but I'm still the same person. So the truth is, we don't just need to change. We don't just need our situations to change. Excuse me. We need to change ourselves. So it's okay, God changes situation, yes, but also God, I also need to change. Because here's the big idea, the big idea is in order for us to live in freedom every day, in order for us to be changed, something has to die. And I'm telling you, this biblical principle will set you free. I'm gonna show you one other verse, Romans 6, six through seven. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Why? So that the body of sin might be done away with. So that impatience might be done away with. So that lust may be done away with. So that pride and arrogance may be done away with. That road rage would be done away, done away with. Why? So that we should no longer, look at the rest of the verse, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because here's the secret. Paul's saying, God, here's the secret to living in freedom every day. Anyone who has died, anyone who has learned this discipline of living the crucified life, has been freed from sin. That is a great place to say amen. Because this is my hope for you. This is our church's hope for you. Is that you get to the place where you're living in freedom every day. Freed from sin. So today what I want to do is I'm going to give you the secret to living the crucified life. What does it look like? How does that need to play out? Really simple. If you're taking notes, write this down. And that is number one. It begins with learning how to crucify your sinful nature, to crucify your sinful nature. In other words, guys, we've got to die to our old passions, our old desires, our old lusts, our pride, our arrogance. We have got to learn to die to the things that separated us from God in the first place. Now, we already read Galatians 2.20 where he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But let me show you another mention of this in Galatians chapter 5.24. Paul said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? They've made a choice. What's the choice? They've crucified, here it is, the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. 
Those who are living the crucified life have died to their lust. They've died to their pride. They've died to their anger and their jealousy. They've died to anything that brings guilt, anything that brings pain, anything that brings hurt, and anything that brings shame. And when the world comes up to a crucified man or woman of God and says, oh, no, 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 you just need to trust your feelings, sweetheart. Follow your heart. The man or woman of God steps up and goes, nope, I don't think so. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9, God tells me that the human heart, the human passions, the human desires, the human lust, my sinful nature is the most deceitful of all things and it's desperately wicked. So I'm not living according to my flesh anymore that brings death. No, I am living according to God's word that brings life because I am crucified to my old way of living. Jesus even said this in John 6, 63. Guys, it's the spirit that gives life, but the flesh, your passions, your desires, your sinful nature, it doesn't, it doesn't produce life. It doesn't produce life. Why? Because Paul tells us, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin... The wages of living in your passions and your desires and these sinful nature, what is it? It's death. But praise God, thank God it doesn't end there. The free gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You simply receive it. It's eternal life. Through who? Through a relationship with God's one and only son, the Christ who died but yet was resurrected, the one and only son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. It's already been done. You simply receive it. That's how you experience a relationship with God. A couple people are kind of settling in a little bit. You're starting to get it. So I'm telling you, when the world says, trust your feelings and follow your heart, you know, no, 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 no. I'm not going to choose to live by the pressures of the world. I'm not going to choose to live by the customs or the things that may be popular in our culture today. No, I'm going to choose to live by the principles found in God's word. I have been crucified. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ, the risen, resurrected Savior of the world, lives in me. Lives in me. <laughs> And I just need you to understand that it's a choice. It's a choice that you and I have to make every single day. In fact, Joshua 24, 15, Joshua says this, guys, choose for yourselves this day, today, whom you will serve. And my hope is that you'll join me, that you'll join us as a church. And no, 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 as for me and my house no, 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 I'm not going to my old, back to my old way of life. No, as for me and my house, I'm not serving my sinful nature, its passions, its wants, its lusts. No, 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 as for me and my house in One Life Church, we will serve the Lord. We will. How? You got to apply the principle. Do what Paul says again, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die how many times? Every day. Every single day. So today, God, I say yes to you, and God, I say no to me. Every day, God, every day, I stand before you, and this is what it looks like for me. I try to do this every day. I'm not perfect, so I don't get it right all the time, but I try. God, today, I offer my life as a living sacrifice. God, I offer you my eyes, and I just pray, God, that my eyes, if ever tempted to look on something lustfully, God, I give you my eyes. I make a covenant with my eyes before you. It may, God, if I'm tempted with that, may my eyes, Lord, look to you, your truth, 
and align, God, with your heart. And that I wouldn't look lustfully on somebody else. God, I, I pray for my mouth. I die to the things that this mouth wants to say. And I'm asking, God, that you would just give me the words that would bring life, God. That the things that come out of my mind, mouth, God, would be uplifting, encouraging, inspiring, and would help people and add value to people. It wouldn't tear down people, wouldn't hurt people. So God, today I give, you, I give you my mouth. God, today I give you my ears. God, and my hope is that I find myself in places, God, allowing my ears and my spirit to hear things that are life-giving and loving and, and inspiring that honor you. And anything that doesn't honor you, God, I just, I die to that. Lord, I give you my mind and God, in my thoughts, Lord, I, I take I want to take captive, God, every thought that comes through my mind, Lord, and I just want to make it obedient to your word. And I'm asking, God, that just, Lord, that the filter of the Holy Spirit, God, would help me align my thoughts and my thinking to your word. What am I doing? I'm, alive, I'm crucifying my sinful nature. I'm offering my life as a living sacrifice. I'm involving God in the process of my life every Day. Why? Because I want my life to represent love. I want my life to represent joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want my life to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And can I just be honest with you? Here's the reality. Guys, it just seems like that kind of prayer is only good for about 24 hours. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It just seems like every day we have an opportunity to be offended at something, don't we? We have an opportunity every day to be hurt. Something's going to happen that you're not going to like every day. And so because of this, every day, we've got to do what Paul taught us and what Jesus was teaching us, which is the secret to finding freedom and staying in this relationship with God where everything is a joy and a delight. And that is we have got to learn how to die to some things. The other prayer that I love to pray when it comes to crucifying your sinful nature comes out of John 3.30. Look at this. You know, John said, guys, Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. In other words, what is uh, John saying? He's saying, guys, I've got to learn how to humble myself. I've got to learn every day as I pray and ask God to be a part of the process of my life, and I die to some things. I've got to lay my life down. I've got to humble myself before God. Why? Because a man on his face can never fall from that position. A man or woman of God who is on their face every day before their Lord, humbling themselves, will never fall from that position. And that's why I want to encourage you today. Here's the action step for crucifying your sinful nature. And that is, guys, I just simply want you to choose humility every day. It's not just a one and done. I wish it was. There's more to it. It's an everyday decision. You guys, just imagine for a moment, what would it look like if every day you woke up, you decided to humble yourself before the Lord? You decided to offer your life as a living sacrifice before God? Can I tell you this? Not like your life would be perfect. You're still going to have the opportunity to be frustrated. But I tell you, when you're on your way to work to Boise on I-84, and that person cuts in, person cuts in front of you, you're going to be like, ah. Come on, man, just come on over. No big deal. In fact, I'll slow down just a little bit because it seems like you're in a hurry. And so I'll give you a little bit more space. Why? Why? It's because you're living in freedom every day. Your circumstances aren't dictating your feelings anymore. You've aligned your heart and your spirit with God. Guys, I'm just trying to help you live in freedom every day in a relationship with God. Not religion, but a relationship. 
And the secret to living in freedom every day, my friends, is learning how to live a crucified life. It begins with crucifying our sinful nature. And number two, I'll close with this. And then it also begins with crucifying the world. In other words, I'm no longer going to be influenced by culture. I'm going to be influenced by Christ. I'm no longer going to be influenced by the world. I'm going to be influenced by God's word that brings life. I'm lighting my life to his principles. Galatians 6.14. Paul said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which, here's the secret, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What's he saying? He said, hey guys, if you want to live in freedom, you got to shut the front door to the world. You got to get to the place you're like, no, 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 no. I'm no longer going to do that. Because that is keeping me from God's best. And as your pastor and friend today, you don't need me to tell you what that is. Why? Because you serve a God in whom the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. You've received the Holy Spirit who is not only a comforter, but he is a counselor and he's there to help you if you'll ask him. And if you'll ask him to point out some things, he'll show you some things that are holding you back from becoming the best version of yourself. He'll show you some things that are keeping you from experiencing freedom every day in your life. So for me, when I first gave my heart to the Lord and I came into a relationship with God, man, it was amazing, man. My, my spirit was saved. I'm, I'm feeling love like never before. And it's awesome. But you know what my hangup was? Part of my hangup was that I was still trying to do life with my old set of friends. My old set of friends who were still sleeping around. My old set of friends who were still drinking. My old set of friends who were still doing, you know, things that honestly weren't honoring to God. I was still hung up and this is what I found. I found that it was easier for me to be pulled down than to try to pull somebody up. There is a time and season that God wants to use you to minister to your friends. I'm telling you, it's there, but God has not called you to do life so closely with those of the world. Trust me, we're called to be in the world, not of the world. We're the light, we're the salt, we're the ones that make a difference and you'll never be able to influence culture until you're experiencing so much freedom. I'm just telling you. So for me in my house, for me in that, my situation in my life, and by the way, don't compare your journey with mine. I'm not trying to put that on you. That may not be where you're walking right now. For some of you, it might be. You're on your own journey and your own process with the Lord. But for me, what hung me up was my old friends. And so I came to the place where I realized that I was absolutely incapable of living in freedom every day and still living in the world doing these things with my old friends. So the bottom line is this, I had to draw a line. I had to make a break. And so for me, I just told my friends, I said, guys, man, I love you, man. I give my heart to Christ and God's doing some things. I don't know what it is, man, but I just, I don't wanna do these things anymore. And I'm not, are you red? Are you trying to judge me? Like you think you're better than me? I'm like, no, man, I'm not trying to judge y'all at all. I'm just judging me. I don't think I'm better than y'all at all. I'm just telling you, for me, there's something I just can't, I can't go this road now. If you want to come hang out with me and do some life with me and experience what I'm experiencing, come on, man. But like, if you need something, I'm there. But like, I just can't, 
I can't do this anymore. I can't hang with you anymore. I began to honestly live out what I'm preaching you, preaching to you today. I began to crucify not only my sinful nature, but I began to separate myself from the things of this world. And again, you don't need me to tell you where that line is for you because you have a Holy Spirit, but I need you to understand this. You need to have a line. Every single one of us, there needs to be a line if you want to experience freedom every day. Let me show you, the, show you this in the Bible and then we'll close. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from them and be, here's the word, separate says the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I love the promises on the other side of this choice. Look at this. And I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons. And you'll be my daughters, says the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord Almighty. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, if you'll crucify your sinful nature, You'll crucify the world and separate yourself from some things. You and I will walk in such close, intimate, personal relationship that you'll experience freedom like never before. So how do we do this? Well, we crucify our sinful nature. We choose humility every day. We crucify the world. How? By, here's your action step. To choose separation from the world every day. How do I live in freedom? I crucify my sinful nature. I choose humility. How do I live in freedom? I crucify myself from the world and I choose separation from the world every day. Why? So that I can experience freedom every day. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, fulfillment every day. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another five minutes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just imagine with me for a moment how much better your life would look if you made the choice every day to simply humble yourself before God. Imagine how much better your life would look if you simply came to the place where you would say, you know what, I, I just can't go there anymore. I can't do that anymore. I, I just, I'm gonna separate myself from whatever that is. Now in this moment, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit that is here and that's evident in this room, God, would begin to speak to people's hearts in their minds. God, I pray that you give them wisdom, give them clarity, lead them, direct them. God, I just, I even pray for my own life. God, if there's anything in my life, God, that stands before me and you and our relationship and even me experiencing freedom, God, I give it to you. I lay it down. Speak to me. Show me. That's our prayer today. Some of you are here today and you're far from God. You don't have a relationship with God. You want one, you, but yet you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel condemnation. And I just want you to know today that you are one heartfelt prayer away from experiencing the miracle that is a relationship with God. And if you're here today, maybe you gave your heart to Christ at one time, but for whatever reason you walked away. But maybe you're here today and you've never done that. I would love to lead you in a simple prayer today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. I promise I will not do that at all. But if you're here today and you'd like to say that prayer, I'd love to know who I'm speaking to. Would you be so bold all across the room to say, Pastorette, that's me. I'm going to raise my hand high all across this room. Of I want to begin a relationship with God and I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Whether you raise your hand or not, it doesn't matter. It's simply about a heart that connects with God. Can I encourage you to say a prayer much like this? Just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sin. 
today, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I say this, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith, I put my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. Now, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life to help me make a difference. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together right now in this moment and celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus?